Yo, Eric, have you been listening to the, have you been reading up on uh, the Dark Phoenix reviews? X-Men Dark uh, Phoenix? I, I have not. Is it, uh, are, are they pretty dark in their outlook? Or is this movie going to rise from the ashes? <laughs> it's, um, well, <laughs> there are ashes, but they ain't rising. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I had the I had the um, the pleasure of seeing this movie last night, uh, fairly early, and um, well, it's not good. <laughs> oh, that that's too bad. It is it is really too bad. I don't want to get into like a review and spoilers or anything like that, but um, but the issue that the main issue is that this is like the it's supposed to be the end of the uh, Fox X Men franchise, and oops. Drop the drop my water bottle. Uh, it's supposed to be like the end of the Fox X Men franchise, and it just kind of falls flat on its face. It's a movie that's kind of a mess in multiple areas. Um, you can tell that, like again, not going into spoilers, but you can tell by the ending that they kind of, in the middle of production or post production, tried to compensate for the fact that this is the last movie. Fox gets to make before the rights go back to Marvel. It, it, it's just, it, it just it, it's disappointing, you know. I mean, I, I, you're a decent sized fan of the X Men movies, right? Yeah, I like them. Yeah, it's I don't know. I mean, honestly, for me, like they ended with Wolverine. When when uh, have you seen Logan? I have not, unfortunately. No. Mm, okay, I won't give anything away. But I, for I that have one. seen Shane. The movie that Logan is, you know, kind of right, yeah, loosely modeled on. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it kind of sort of ends the franchise in a really poetic way with that movie, and like after that, I felt like okay, we uh, X Men's done pretty much. I mean, yeah, I like I like the Michael Fassbender, uh, James McAvoy cast and the the younger characters, but. Um, X Men has always been um, X Men's always been Wolverine and and that original cast at least for me, and so to be like this is the last one, this is the one we're gonna end our big twelve movie twenty year franchise on. It's like that's funny, guys. Right. It's yeah, like you say, it's really unfortunate. But um, I got to I got to like even it was. Like an opposite palate cleanser last night because I watched a really good movie and then I also watched a really bad movie because I also got to see Aladdin before oh, okay. seeing Dark Phoenix. And um, you know what? While we're talking about these these movies, why don't we just get into the show because that's what kind of we're gonna in, we're gonna get into is what we've watched and uh, might as well not talk about it in the intro and just get to it. So let's get to it right now. This okay. is the Vince Salerno podcast episode. 41. On today's episode, we're talking about trailers. Terminator Dark Fate has its first teaser, and same with Pixar's newest original film, Onward. Also, we have my good friend Eric Jenkins in the house returning on the podcast to talk about our favorite thing, Godzilla. He's the king of the monsters, or is he? We're going to review that movie today on the podcast. It starts right Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Vince Lerno Podcast, episode 41. We're recording this today on a Thursday, June 6th, 
2019. As always, I'm your host, Vince Salerno, and I have a special guest with me today. He is someone who has not been on the show since I first started, and I feel pretty terrible about that because he's a very close friend of mine, <laughs> um, pretty big movie fan. Uh, he, he was on episode two in July 2016, and we were talking about the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Um, one of the many things he and I like to discuss, and now he's back to discuss another thing we like, Godzilla. It's my good friend, Eric Jenkins. Hey, Vince. Hey there, listeners. So, yeah, thanks for having me back, Vince. It's, it has been a long time. It has, yeah. Again, I, I feel terrible I haven't had you on sooner. Uh, Lord knows there, is, there have been many things we've discussed as fanboys over the phone. That's true. But not on podcast. Yeah. Hey, uh, congratulations, too, on making it to uh, 41 episodes. That's, that's a pretty, pretty big accomplishment, I think. Yeah. Well, so, well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, we're, we're reaching 50. 50 episodes. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you'd, you'd think I'd get to it sooner, but, you know, it. anything worth doing is worth doing slowly and yeah and right, you know? Uh, so, yeah, 41 episodes. Crazy to think about, and... Uh, Again, we're reaching 50, so I uh, can't wait for that. Um, but yeah, tell, tell the listeners what you have been up to as a filmmaker, as a, as a movie fan. What's what's happening? Okay, so um, uh, lately I've been working on a period western short film, which, which you actually uh, had the pleasure, or perhaps not, <laughs> of helping me work on. Um, I just got back from St. George not too long ago with you. We were... We were filming down there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I'm hoping to get that all wrapped up and uh, put out pretty soon. Yeah. It's called Hell to Pay. So, Hell to Pay. Yeah, as in there's going to be. <laughs> um, anyway, and as far as movies go, um, yeah, I saw Godzilla most recently, which I, I'm excited to talk about. Um, yeah. This is a little bit off, but I, al- I also got to see um, Star Wars, the you know A New Hope last night in a theater um, wow. so that was a fun experience because you know obviously i've seen it a million times but uh, i haven't sat down and watched it for years and so it was fun to revisit that in a theater with you know um a bunch of people you don't know right and on the big know. screen <coughs> yeah wow so yeah yeah fun. well um yeah I, I, for those of you who who haven't don't follow me on social media i, I was in uh uh, Utah visiting Eric and uh, shooting a movie with him and uh, yeah no that was a lot of fun it was cool to bury some tombstones in the desert and uh, yeah. talk about the Black Rider that's right <laughs> uh, yeah no that was a fun one I was, I'm, I'm glad I was able to be part of that I am too yeah it was it was really pretty down there it wasn't all the red rocks and stuff like that was oh yeah really really feel it's not hard to imagine that you're in the 1870s when you're out there. <clears throat> right, yeah. My uh, my Instagram kind of blew up when I put out uh, some of those images of uh, Woody on those red hills, the red rocks that we did, the pictures we took. Yeah. That was fun. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, those uh, are great. Folks, yeah. if you haven't checked out these awesome photos he's taken of um, this articulated Woody action figure, he got really creative with these, and he took some great photos really cool western setting so check those out they're they're worth it yeah thank you thank you yeah you're welcome. uh i had uh, i had some help from you of course i was bummed it's, it's funny because i'm sure people are thinking like well wait you just saw eric in utah why didn't you guys record the podcast 
you know, while you were there in person? And yeah. the answer is we, we tried, um, but eventually we just, uh, with me wanting to, with us catching up and also just us wanting to hang out and not really, you know, do like work. And then uh, it, it ended up being like a six hour road trip to go to St. George to shoot this project for Eric. And that took a lot of our time. So we just didn't have the time to do it. And that's totally fine because we, we replaced the time we would have uh, spent recording the podcast with a lot of really fun stuff. Yeah. So but I thought we're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So speaking of that, let's, let's get right into it. As you guys know, I said okay. at, at the top of the show, Eric is here to talk about and review with me, uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, the latest Godzilla film. Did we like it? Did we hate it? Is it great? Is it not great? We're going to find out. We'll review that near the end of the show today. Uh, first, let's get into kind of our new segment on the show, talking about what we've watched recently. Uh, I just like to talk to um, my guests about what they're watching, what they like, what they don't like. Uh, and now, Eric, you just mentioned that you saw King of the Monsters, and also you saw um, Star Wars in the theater. Um, yeah. I got to say, I kind of envy that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was cool. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's something about watching a movie that um, that you love that's come out, that came out in theaters long, long ago, but seeing it again or re-experiencing it in the theater like never before is a really cool experience and just touching on that like one of my all-time favorite movies is ghostbusters and when the reboot was coming out there was a um there was a fathom events was hosting a screening of the original film uh with a special look at at the at the reboot and uh i just wanted to go because i had never seen ghostbusters in on the big screen i was like well, this might be my only chance to ever do that. So uh, I did, I saw it and it, it was one of the best movie watching experiences ever. Just, I, you know, like, like you say, you, you know, these movies, you've seen them a billion times, but to see it on the big screen in a giant theater, um, it, it was pretty special. And also I was the only one in the theater, so I didn't have an audience to react with me, but that was okay. <clears throat> Not a lot you were the only one in the theater? I kid you not, the only one. It was pretty hilarious. There's actually, if you scroll far back in my, my Instagram, there's a picture of me, uh, like my head's in the bottom corner of the, of the photo, and you just see all these blank um, rows of seats, and that's just me sitting in a the theater by myself watching Ghostbusters. It was pretty fun. <laughs> so did you loud and obnoxious and like talk to the screen? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I laughed, I, I gasped, I just, like, I reacted to the movie in, like, more animated than I would if there were, like, people, um, like, touching elbows with me on each side. <laughs> and then, and then now, like, now that Toy Story 4 is coming out, uh, there's, uh, several theaters nearby that are hosting, like, four movie screenings of all four Toy Story films. And uh, I'm definitely trying to jump on that and see if I can, uh... like, I've never seen Toy Story uh, in the theater, the original Toy Story. And to that, I mean, that's my, my all time favorite movie. And to see that on the big screen will be, will be quite, quite the treat. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really cool. I don't, I don't want to talk too long, but this was really cool to see that Star Wars movie in theater. Because that is, I, I, I really don't remember 
the first time I saw Star Wars, and I can remember things from when I was uh, two years old. Like, really, you know, I can remember pretty far back. Um, but anyway, I I am told that my aunt took me to see that in 1997 when it was re-released for the special edition. Oh, and, cool. um Yeah, and so it was just seeing that movie and then just, just you know, watching Star Wars as a little two, three-year-old kid. That is really what, you know, made me realize that I wanted to make movies or, you know, do something like that. Because, well, I mean, I guess really I wanted to be an X-Wing pilot, but it's kind of the <laughs> next best thing. You know, yeah. I always, um, yeah, I, because I, I, I had them on tape. And uh, when you put them on, it would begin with, like, bonus content of an interview with George Lucas and Leonard Maltin talking about, you know, how he made the movie and stuff. And so I was like, well, who's that? You know, why, what's that? So my parents would explain, like, oh, well, that's George Lucas. That's the guy that made these movies. And so just that idea that, huh, these are made by, you know, someone comes up with this, and then a bunch of people make this happen. Um, that was just something that made a deep impression on me at an extremely young age and, you know, really just lit that fire that's been yeah. burning ever since. So. Yeah, no, I can I can completely relate to that experience. Um <clears throat> I had a similar experience watching uh, my VHS copy of Toy Story when I was a kid. There was like this 10-minute, it was like a special edition version, and, and the end of it featured this 10-minute um, uh, behind-the-scenes look at Toy Story and the making of the movie. And they talk about, I mean, I, I just, I saw John Lasseter on there, all the other filmmakers, and just like, I was like, whoa, you can get paid to do this? You can get paid to make movies and tell stories that's incredible so i i can definitely relate to that experience as well eric yeah um anything else yeah, you, you know, uh you saw that you want to mention on what what we've seen <laughs> uh let's see okay so i i recently watched no country for old men ah great um, movie yeah have you seen that one yeah i love it absolutely yeah love it. that's a good one so um i the only book by uh, Cormac McCarthy that I've read is The Road, and I really appreciated his use or uh, of traditional punctuation when he writes. He usually he he still uses like capital letters at the beginning of the sentence, but mm -hmm. he pretty much only uses periods, and it's kind of up to just the it's you can tell who's talking by the rhythm of the writing and just kind of the text itself because you can think like oh well this character wouldn't use those words, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyway, I just, yeah, it was a really interesting and kind of refreshing um, approach to writing. And then, so of course he wrote the novel that the, this movie is based on. And uh, yeah, great movie. Very, you know, very suspenseful, pretty damn creepy. Um, mm -hmm. But it's interesting too, that the, the movie kind of builds up to this climactic, showdown between you know Llewellyn and Shigur and uh, the Tommy Lee Jones character but it's interesting how the way in which the story turns um, happens you know there's it's kind of a, a near miss where these characters don't ever actually you know I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone but mm -hmm. um, and it, I don't think that the movie is has a pointless ending necessarily or that it's or that it feels like a cop-out or anything, but it's just, um, you know, it keeps you guessing, and it's just a, 
a unique perspective that that the author has the way he's able to to turn it um but yeah and i you know you gotta hand it to the coen brothers for just the cheer suspense you know yeah definitely um, definitely when uh yeah when you know josh brolin's characters various points in the movie when he's waiting for you know this evil sugar guy to this monstrous individual to come and start to try to steal the money back or you know kill him or whatever but and it's interesting too how they're able to make what you'd think would be boring things like close-ups of of people's hands you know putting like at one point he he cuts a um wire coat hanger in pieces and tapes it to a tent pole just things like this like you watch their hands you know making things or or doing things and yet it's it's shot in such a way that you're you're interested in what they're doing (laughs) you know um yeah but yeah good uh good morality tale you know good the um it's a great sobering look at greed what's that I said it's a great modern day western. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, kind of, kind of accidentally, just by virtue of it taking place in Texas. But yeah, yeah it is definitely. It mixes a lot of genres. Yeah, um, it, it really does. Cool. Yeah, no, I I love that movie. Love the cast, the crew, the directors. Uh, it's, it's one of those flawless pieces of cinema. I think. Yeah, um, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, that haircut too that haircut (laughs) (laughs) that haircut though um yeah uh i've seen uh i've seen quite a few movies i mean working at a movie theater allows you to really see a lot um and i gosh what what was it that i saw i saw something on tv recently or on netflix that i um oh i saw i saw snatched uh the movie by guy Ritchie. i guess i was kind of um, subconsciously trying to get some Guy Ritchie's Guy Ritchie movies in my mind before watching Aladdin because he directed that movie, but um, yeah, I saw Snatched, and um, I, I've I've come to learn that I don't think Guy Ritchie movies are necessarily my thing, if that makes any yeah. sense. He he's got a very specific style to him. His movies, he edits them and writes them in a very particular way, and while the story from a from a if you look back it's pretty easy to follow in snatched it's basically two different stories and they all kind of intersect um but the because the story is so fast paced it's just you you can kind of lose yourself in the in the editing and some things i think just get lost in translation and that's why i don't think he's sort of translated well to a modern audience because people want to kind of have their have their hand held through movies and kind of understand what's going on and i understood what was going on because i just understand the cinematic language that he's speaking but uh i could also feel myself kind of getting disinterested and just okay i I, i'm not even sure what's happening right now um he's got interesting talk because then then, like i said i saw i saw aladdin which he directed and i love aladdin first off i i think it's it's probably the original I love the original. I, I thought this one was this live action one was great too. Um, I th- I think this is probably the second best live action Disney movie that they've made so far. Uh, so what would you say is the first? My favorite, my all time favorite. I think the best one they've made is Cinderella, the one in twenty fifteen. Okay, so this you're you're referring to of the 
live action movies that are remakes of animated films. Yeah, so like the current okay. the current run of live action animated remakes. Um, okay. And yeah, Cinderella's an incredible movie that that does exactly what I want these movies to do. It takes sort of the basic premise, the story, and the magic of the original, translated translates it onto the big screen, but then um, does something new with the material. And uh, I kind of that's kind of the Preston I hold for all these live action Disney films. And you know, some of them just haven't hit the mark for me. Like I, as much as I love Beauty and the Beast, I love that story. It's basically the original film with just a bunch, like a bunch of SWJ stuff smushed into it. And I just I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much. It's it's it. It's kind of a guilty pleasure where it's just it's a fun trip down memory lane but it adds nothing new to the story of beauty and the beast um i really enjoyed christopher robin obviously that's kind of a different type of movie because it's pretty much a sequel to all the winnie the pooh movies it's not a remake of anything but it's still a live action adaptation of winnie the pooh um i'm trying to think of what else has come out uh oh dump i saw dumbo that wasn't that great yeah. um it was just kind of meh that really um, didn't have, I don't know, just, that movie kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, the appeal wasn't really, I, I don't think that that idea was as popular or as desired as people thought it was, but um, Aladdin, so Aladdin pretty much follows the exact same story of the original film, uh, but at, I mean, at, it, it does something new with the material. Obviously, the big thing is like, how can you top Robin Williams' performance as a genie? It's yeah. iconic, and and the answer is you don't. You you do something. Compl- you find a new a new big big name talent who has a big personality and is known for being um, eccentric and, and sporadic. Um, and they found they found their right guy in Will Smith, and I think Will Smith nails the genie. He does his own thing while still paying homage to Robin Williams' performance. Um, what they do with uh, Jasmine's character, played by Naomi Scott in this movie, is pretty incredible. She uh, she is a much more, uh, I, mean, I mean, for lack of a better term, a much more empowering female figure in this movie. And, um, you know, I guess the big red flag there is, like, you don't want to, you don't want it to be obvious that they're trying to do this, oh, female empowerment, women are cool, or whatever. It's like... Some movies do it well, others don't. And this is a rare occasion where Disney actually did it really well. They find a way to um, sort of um, rectify or just change some things that should have been in uh, the original Aladdin, like, I guess, without getting too spoiled. Basically, I'll just say that um, she... she, 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 She's in a better position to become... uh, the ruler of the kingdom than Aladdin is. And they sort of play off that. And she has a really powerful original song in the movie that honestly gave me chills. Like I, I, I will say this. I said it once more. I'll say it again. She is kind of the star of the movie, even though the movie's, I, the movie's called Aladdin, but it really should just be called Jasmine because she stands out so much not to, um, not to downplay, um, the actor who plays Aladdin because he's great too, but just uh, Naomi Scott as Jasmine is just a powerhouse in this movie and, and just great to watch. Hmm. Yeah, so if you haven't seen Aladdin, you should definitely check it out. 
it's really fun. I'll have to do. I have to do. A, I guess I'll. I might do a review for for YouTube because I, I just saw yesterday. And I just I want to talk about it so much right now. But we actually need to get get on with the actual show. So um, let's get into it. Let's get into our top three stories for the week. Uh, first off, number one. It's a little old, but I want to talk about it anyways. We finally got our first trailer for the latest installment in the Terminator franchise, Terminator Dark Fate. Now, this movie is kind of a retconning of previous films. Um, and the chronological um, numbering of films, this is Terminator 6. Technically, though, it is actually Terminator 3 because it takes place directly after the... Not directly after, but it, it, it is a sequel to the events of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And follows a cast of new characters while also following... Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger back in his iconic role as a Terminator, and also um, Linda Hamilton returning as Sarah Connor for the first time since the second movie, if you don't count her voiceover work in uh, the fourth film, Terminator Salvation. But um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of the Terminator franchise and was actually pretty optimistic when Genesis or Jenny Smith was coming out and ended up being a pretty terrible movie. Um, I don't know, Eric, have you had, had any, uh, love or interest in the Terminator franchise? You know, I, when I was, uh, too young probably to, to play, I, my, I played this first person shooter game that was, uh, Terminator 2. And so, you know, I'm pretty familiar with, with the story of Terminator and the mythos of it from that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm not really sure what to think of this so far. It, it seems, you know, at a glance, it, one could argue that it's just kind of um, pandering to the movement. Kind of breaking up there, Eric. So, at first glance, it would it seems almost to be kind of pandering to the, the feminist, feminist movement here. Um, but, you know, it's too early to say. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know. Um, I mean, to be fair, the the, the franchise has always been um, the, one of the main characters. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Sarah Connor is like the greatest female protagonist in, in cinema history, one of the greatest female protagonists in cinema history. It's it, yeah. If, if you don't They're count the s- fact that the ter- that Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this franchise and he's kind of like the 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 main draw of it, technically she is the main character of this franchise. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I fair. agree. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it's very similar to the Alien franchise in that way. Definitely, um, definitely. With Sigourney Weaver's Ripley, and it's funny that you know both are obviously connected with James Cameron, who uh, is returning for this one. So, am I am I correct that James Cameron has not worked on the Terminator franchise since Judgment Day? Uh yeah, you'd be correct. I don't think he had any active role in the third one. I know he definitely didn't have any involvement in four or five, but um, I think this is definitely the, uh, yeah, this is definitely the first one he's had an active hand in. He produced it. He, um, excuse me, I think he actually co-wrote it as well. Like he oh. had, an, he actually had an idea uh, and uh, sort of beat it around the bush with um, Tim Miller, the director, and that's how this new installment came to be. Hmm. Well, it sounds. Well, you know, he's he's a pretty smart filmmaker, so um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how he does it. Yeah. You know, again, it's funny how they're 
certain movie franchises have certain parallels. It, it reminds me very much of this seems to be kind of like the X-Men or excuse me, the Terminator equivalent of X-Men days of future past where, you know, there it's like certain of the sequels after the number two movie get erased, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right um, on. Yeah, yeah. You, you can compare it to that. I, I honestly like to compare it to like the force awakens. Like a lot of franchises have been taking the direction of, bringing in the old characters to usher in a new generation and then let them do their thing. I don't. I have no evidence that says that Sarah Connor and, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator are gonna, aren't, aren't going to make it through this movie, but um, it sounds like they're taking that approach to the franchise of, like, let's get, a yo- get some young blood in here while still honoring the past. Because yeah. um, the, the story, see, I, I guess the story seems to be somewhat similar. They didn't spoil too much, which is great. But basically, somebody from the future is coming back to the past to stop a Terminator to killing somebody. I don't know who this uh, this Mexican chick is. What she has to do with the future of, of the universe or the, the fate of the fate of the world? But um, it, she may be like the new. Because the big question is, because she, she may be the new like. Um, mother of the savior of the universe like the new mother of john connor whatever but it's like okay so what happened to john connor you know he was the he was in the second movie and um what i wondered is when i watched the trailer i just kind of assumed that there's there's some time travel going on that you know sarah connor's using whatever time travel technology that the original terminator used and that that girl you're talking to is just like kind of a retconned younger version of herself but well, mm. I mean, we'll have to see. I mean, yeah, not, I don't. You know, I, that, that I, was I didn't think too hard. Enough. That's just kind of my initial, initial thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, she is Mexican, so that that doesn't add up. <laughs> so I, I, I just, I mean, she has dark skin and dark hair, but I don't mm-hmm. know if she wasn't like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're probably right, but whatever. I think it's got something to do with. I don't think she's necessarily the. I don't know. It, it, I mean, again, that's the great thing about this teaser is that it it reveals nothing while revealing everything. And the music that they chose was great. It really sets the mood and the tone. It it it, it has that small scale horror film feel to it that the original films had. Um, and they give us, you know, they put Sarah Connor, who's just a freaking badass, in the forefront of this trailer. They give us a little hint of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, they, they give us just enough hints of the original films to satisfy those old fans, but then they also do enough new stuff to make us interested. Like, who is this Who is this woman who is supposedly, like, half cyborg? Or, or She is a cyborg, not no, half cyborg, but, like, she's, yeah, it's like she's saying, like, oh, I am human. And then Sarah Connor's like, uh, you look like you're human, but you, you got, like, robotic implants or whatever. It's like... What's the deal with that? It's just intriguing. It, it raises so many questions. And um, yeah, it reminded me of um, oh, what's the the Terminator movie with Christian Bale that was like Mad Max Salvation. Terminator yeah, Salvation. that's right. Terminator Salvation. It, it, it was reminiscent of the scene where one of the characters on that thinks he's human, but then he looks down and sees his exposed chest and sees all the machinery and whatnot. Yeah, yeah and very very similar to that. Very similar to that. So I wonder if they're they're like maybe. Because they obviously the Terminator is kind of an amalgamation of the original one from the first movie and then the one from the second film with the liquid stuff. So it's, it's 
definitely seems like they're borrowing elements from previous films. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about this, but basically, it's a great trailer. Uh, I am so stoked for this movie. I love the tagline of the poster. It just says, Welcome to the day after Judgment Day. And that has kind of sets the idea of what this world is. This is a post Judgment Day movie. Um, and I think I hope it'll it'll fit in right with those first two films, and um, yeah, it's gonna be great. I I mean, fingers crossed that we finally get our first good Terminator movie since Judgment Day. Well, now that we're done talking about Terminator, and again, I could talk about that movie for another twenty minutes probably, but let's move on to our next topic, uh, topic number two. We've got the first teaser trailer and poster for uh, the next Pixar film after Toy Story 4. Uh, surprising we're already thinking about it, but we haven't gotten a teaser with a Pixar film in a while, so it's like kind of a return to form, but we finally got it. The first poster and first teaser for Pixar's next movie, Onward. Now this movie is about... Um, two elf brothers that live in a suburban fantasy world where magic apparently is gone. It's like people haven't seen magic in years and people have sort of settled into a modern day real world suburban lifestyle where we see garden gnomes gardening their, their garden. We see mermaids hanging out in uh, blow up swim pools. We see trolls in bathrobes, drinking coffee in the morning, um, centaurs taking jogs. <laughs> it's just, uh, it, it's completely and utterly Pixar. And um, emotionally speaking, this movie is about the two brothers apparently trying to find if there's any magic left in this modern day fantasy world and using that magic to spend one day with their father who apparently died uh, when they were too young to actually know him. So, right off the bat, you know Pixar's gonna make you cry once more. <laughs> uh, Eric, thoughts on the trailer? Did you see this trailer? I did, yeah. Um, yeah, this movie looks like it's gonna make a crap ton of money. Um, the plot, or the, the premise, I should say, is... is I'm kind of surprised because it's very basically the same premise from the netflix will smith movie bright um you know we're I mean, not exactly the same but similar we're the, the you know, same type like of concept kind of, yeah this kind of you know northern european fairy tale fantasy land but is you know as though that really happened but now we're up to the modern day mm -hmm. um honestly i'm disappointed that they've decided to go in the direction with it that they are what i mean by that is this if Pixar, it, it looks like they, they can make some pretty cool, you know, fairy tale creatures in this very cool, almost token sort of, you know, C.S. Lewis land. Um, and I would, I think it'd be cool if they just did a story like that, that's just set in that time. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe even, you know, maybe even have it be a little bit more serious than what they usually do. But, you know, I mean, this movie is going to be whatever it's gonna be family friendly it's gonna it's gonna be funny but um i don't know and, and i'm not saying i hate it already or anything like that by no means but um and it just seems like they're to me it seems too close to zootopia um 
you know, where you've got all these animals or creatures in this case existing in this kind of urban environment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, yeah, those those are my initial thoughts. But okay. again, we'll see. I'm not, you know. Yeah, I'll, definitely. I'll, I'll wait for it to come out before I condemn it or whatever. So right. Yeah, I um, I don't know. I, I think your comparison to Zootopia is definitely valid. I mean, it, it definitely has those vibes to it. Um, and I actually had another debate with another friend about um, Onward, and someone actually told me like, oh, it seems like a movie DreamWorks would make, and I'm I'm just like, uh, DreamWorks wishes they could make a movie this original and this fun. Um, I I am totally into this idea. Um, first off, it's kind of or almost an analogy to like technology taking over our lives and we've sort of lost touch with with um the world around us and like i don't know maybe magic is like an analogy to nature or something i don't want to get in super environmental themes going on but uh i mean i get i I just like the idea of um i mean the the world is just completely original and just uh just the things that they do in the trailer to show like how it how a fa- fantasy creature would translate into a modern world. Like again, the, the mermaid in the pool, or the gnomes gardening their 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 yard, or um, having a pet dragon, <laughs> or like unicorns unicorns taking the form of raccoons in this world. I just thought that was hilarious. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm totally into it. And and I, to me, it's more about the the story than anything, because um, I think you could have set this movie in um in in like a modern time like it's about two kids and the world is just the world and they have to find magic um and it could have i I admit that it could be an interesting idea of like what if we just do like a straight up kind of like brave but go all in on the fantasy elements but then again like i just like this idea of exploring something just quirky in Pixar. Like, I mean, Pixar's signature style is just they're fun, they're original, and they they create they take ideas and they flip them on their heads. Like like what if what if we made a movie about toys coming to life when you leave the room and, and what their lives are like on a daily basis? What if uh the monsters in our closet are just doing their job and they're not actually scary? What if, um, what if there was a world just populated by cars and the cars were people? And in this case, it's like, what if, you know, a, a magical fantasy land uh, progressed over the years into modern society and we see trolls and unicorns and elves coexisting with each other, but there's no more magic. And just th- that basic premise... And the emotional story included just really intrigues me, and uh, I, I kind of just have to, I, I personally just ignore the fact that I could compare this to something like Zootopia or people saying like, oh, it could have been made by DreamWorks. It's just like, I, sorry, no, I, I, I dismiss that hypothesis. <laughs> but see I mean, what they mean. I, I can, I can, yeah, I can see why they say that personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess, but at the same time, it's like, it's also just a teaser. And the teaser, for some reason, we've lost, people have lost touch with the idea that Pixar teasers are teasers, and they, they tease us. They're not supposed to give us the full scope of the movie. I got into a savage debate with somebody about the Toy Story 4 teaser because they're like, 
oh, it's so dumb. They're just holding hands and frolicking, and then they all fall down in slow motion because Forky shows up. It's like, that's because they're teasing you with the story. They're teasing you by saying, hey, guess what? Your favorite original characters from Toy Story are back, but they're bringing somebody new who adds a new interesting twist to the Toy Story franchise. What if a spork was made into a homemade toy, but then didn't want to be a toy? And the teaser is kind of, um, the teaser, you know, not being a sequel or a franchise or anything, is just saying, it's just introducing the idea of like, you know, your fantasy worlds, your typical fantasy worlds with unicorns and mermaids and all that crazy cool stuff. What if it existed in a modern world and have all these fun modern characters? And they don't tease what tease us with the emotional story. They don't do any of that. They just show us the characters and the world they, they're going to interact in. We have no idea. We can't judge the emotional weight of the story and how it's going to progress. So I, I, again, just, I mean, all due respect to anyone's opinions, I just, I adamantly disagree with people saying that this is something DreamWorks could have whipped up. So, uh, what, it sounds like you have a negative opinion of DreamWorks, and you know they've made some movies that are not so great, but they've also made some pretty great movies too. But, I mean, I'm just curious now. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I using don't... DreamWorks as like a as a bad word. Well, know? I don't I don't hate DreamWorks at all. I think they're a great studio. I just don't think they've made. I, I think they've gone down in quality in terms of their films. Like Shrek, one of the greatest anime movies of all time. I think. Um, yeah. They made that Madagascar hilarious movies i love all those films um heck I, I mean they did they did wallace and grummet the movie flushed away i think they distributed that well, but i don't think they actually made it right yeah they they okay you're right distribute but still like associated with their studio at the same time um heck i even give some love to movies like shark tale and over the hedge um like they, they've made decent movies in the past and just you know like the last movie i saw of theirs was um, the Boss Baby. I thought it was so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Albeit I'm not the target audience, but but still, I just thought this is not a good movie. <laughs> um, so I that that's why I give the comparison. Nothing, not not to harp on DreamWorks or just say they're terrible, but I just don't think they're making the type of movies that they used to, and they're not churning out the content that's known for you know the great content they used to come out with. And I've you know, he I've heard great that, things about I, How to Train Your Dragon, I but I just haven't got I just haven't gotten into that franchise. I yeah, I see what you're saying, and I agree. But I unfortunately feel the same way about Pixar. Really, you don't? Um, you're, you're kind of oh, dropped yeah. off the. Oh yeah, I think I think they're getting flabby. I don't think that their movies are as good as they used to be. Um, it's up and yeah. down. I think. What's that? I'll, I'll let you speak, but I I, I think it's it's kind of. They have a hit, they don't have a hit, they have a hit, they don't have a hit. But I, I, yeah. I, I want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But I don't know, I just, um, it just seems like that, you know, in the early days, it was more just kind of a focused Skunk Works team of people who would take years to make the next one, you know? But now we've got, what, a Pixar movie come out every other year, or even alternating every year, and it's just kind of... Um, well, I, I, I think like, now they're back on track to making it one one film a year. Okay, well, yeah. So, I don't know. Personally, I just I just haven't been impressed with the last few Pixar movies that, that I've seen that have come out. I think that, you know, Wally was great. I think Pixar was 
on you know in top top form with that. Same mm-hmm. for Toy Story three. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just Up was good too. Um, oh yeah, Up was but fantastic. Like the good dinosaur. I just you know I I love dinosaurs, which we'll talk about when we get to Godzilla. But uh-huh. it just didn't really um, feel like the full world of that story existed. Right. You know, if you watch like The Incredibles or or Bugs Life or something. You know, you feel like that that whole world exists when the movie is over, that it continues to exist, and that it goes on, and that there's places in that world that you didn't get to see in the movie, but which are nonetheless there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. with the good dinosaur and with, with Side Out, I just didn't get that impression. Hmm. Um, I think, unfortunately, so yeah. I kind of I have a hunch that I'll feel the same way about Onward. Hmm. That's too bad, but yeah, I, I get where you're coming from, and. Um, I think that uh, Pixar kind of lost their footing with Brave. I personally think Brave is a great movie, but the masses agree that it's they don't think it is. I think that's because they're expecting something different, and it was a lot more grounded than it was fantastical or whatever you want to you want to phrase it as. Um, huh, okay. And then Monsters University was a mild hit; it wasn't a huge hit. Um, yeah, that thought then, was okay. I thought they sort of came back, had their comeback. Because they were hitting a slump with Cars 2 and then Brave after that. I think their comeback was with Inside Out because Inside Out made me cry like no other. <laughs> and then, yeah, we hit a slump with Good Dinosaur, which wasn't that good. And then it's just kind of been on and off. Like, Cars 3 was... Cars 3 was okay. It was a kind of a, a step up from the second one, but it still was just eh. And then we got a great movie out of Coco. Like, Coco was just... Uh, amazing, an amazing movie. And then Incredibles 2, I think I've told you about this. I didn't think Incredibles 2 was that good of a movie. I don't think it was a good sequel to the first film. I agree. And uh, Unfortunately, it was not, yeah. But I also think they rushed Incredibles 2 because they wanted to focus more time on Toy Story 4. Because initially, Toy Story 4 was supposed to come out last year. And Incredibles 2 is going to come out this year, but Toy Story, Incredibles 2 is further along the process, so they actually switched the two because, I mean, oh. I, I mean, honestly, you're, it makes sense because Toy Story is their is their godfather. They're not going to rush a Toy Story movie. They want this franchise. It, it, Toy Story is bigger than Incredibles, to be honest. Oh yeah. Of They're course. not going to rush Toy Story four. Um, and also that movie has a big reputation to live up to. So I have no doubt Toy Story four will be the next great Pixar film. It already is lined up to be in everything. Everything I've heard about it, everything that the story focuses on just seems like traditional Pixar material and just, I love it. Um, yeah. And yeah, So yeah, I guess what I'm getting at is they they seem to be on and off. Like, we, we get a good movie, we get an okay movie, we get a good movie, we get an okay movie. And uh, you, it used to not be like that. And yeah. uh, I do, however, think um, on I mean, maybe just because I'm on a Pixar high right now, but I do think Onward is going to continue that that streak of being Pixar producing great movies, and it seems like their next five or six films going forward are going to be all original. They're not going to make another you know sequel to a movie for another uh, seven or eight years. It sounds like, uh-huh. um, which I mean nothing against sequels. I mean I I would be delighted if we got Toy Story 5 <laughs> but it's probably not going to happen for a while uh, yeah. anyways I guess let's um, one last thing I want to mention before I move on to our third topic is um, I, I love the voice casting 
we got Chris Pratt and Tom Holland playing the two elf brothers and they both not only just they not only do they look like their real life counterparts but they just their voices fit them so well because of that like Tom Holland has this very skittish um, shy and reserved personality to him which you don't you're not used to seeing in Tom Holland because he's such a such a big personality and a big actor um, but he pl- kind of plays it's almost like if Spider-Man was more it, it's almost like if, if Tom Holland was playing Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man not the one we see in the in the new Marvel movies hmm. and then Chris Pratt sounds like I mean he sounds like Andy Dwyer from Parks and Recreation which is yeah. one of my favorite shows <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love the casting and, um, just one of the many reasons why I'm so excited for Onward. Um, and hopefully Eric, maybe, maybe you, uh, your mind has changed when you see the movie, but, uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens, but, um, yeah, you know, I, am not hoping it'll be bad. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I, I didn't think you were, <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, yeah, I, I can understand people's, uh, people's strong opinions and why they don't think it's a you know, it's a good story picks for Pixar to tackle, but um, I I think it's it's right in line with it, every movie that Pixar has done ever, and it's yeah. it sounds like it's going to be a really fun original idea. Real quick, before we move on, I had mentioned to you when you're here, a Pixar movie I would love to see is uh, a movie just about Buzz Lightyear, but I do not mean Buzz Lightyear the toy. I mean just a straight-up Buzz Lightyear movie. That, oh, know, yeah, Buzz Lightyear, Star Command. has nothing to do with... with wait, it's just him. So basically, like, like the uh, the Buzz Lightyear Star Command show that was on in the early 2000s, you yeah. know? Something like that, where it'd be just kind of like the first tenets of Toy Story 2, but then the whole movie is like that. You know, I think that would be a really, really cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, I... we know Pixar is good at doing... That, that genre of space opera with Wally, you know, the incredible spaceships and production design that Wally had. Um, yeah, you know. I completely agree. I think if Pixar were to do that, Tim Allen has always gained the voice Buzz Lightyear. I think Pixar should jump on that right away. Just, I mean, don't even have to necessarily adapt the animated series. Like, do your own thing. But, like, if they made a really, like, intense and somewhat funny Buzz Lightyear space movie... Yes, that would be so cool. I would that your that would be the tone of it. Yeah, intent like don't focus so much on humor, but you know, make it more of just a cool space action adventure. Yeah, I mean, make it in kind of the tone of Wally almost. I I don't know. I think it I think it should have more of the tone of just a live action. You know, like almost like a Mission Impossible movie, but in space and with Buzz Lightyear. Okay, yeah, I could dig that too. You know, but um, yeah. Well, on, onwards coming out next year, 2020, and hopefully the Buzz Lightyear solo film will come out eventually. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, let's get on to topic number three. This is kind of a story that's been brewing in the news. And I didn't want to talk about it until it was officially confirmed, but it looks like it is now official. Matt Reeves has casted his Batman for his Batman trilogy, and it's going to be none other than Robert Pattinson. Yeah, wow. that's right. Um, Eric, I want to hear your thoughts first, so um, go crazy. What are your thoughts on uh, Robert Pattinson, the Twilight guy, <laughs> being the new Batman? Yeah. Um, I, I do not hold any kind of grudge against 
him for being in Twilight because I know how annoyed he is at the fact that he's in Twilight. Um, and just in interviews, like, you know, I've watched interviews with, with the, the Hollywood Reporter roundtable discussion with him with a bunch of other actors. Um, I like him. I think, you know, he seems like a cool guy in real life. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's a, I think he's a good actor. I think he, he's, you know, I think we can forget. I think we can now officially forget he was in Twilight. I think we can. Oh yeah. You know, like yeah, whatever. That was that was a long time ago. He's done a lot of stuff since then. Um, yeah. So, it's, it's his. I mean, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Didn't want to interrupt. So you. yeah, you know, um, I think he'll he'll definitely be able to, you know, convey a, a wounded person who's you know has a has a dark past. Right. Um, so yeah, I is. I'm not I'm not one of those people that's you know thrown a fit over this decision, but it's it's funny, and a lot of people have made have mentioned this besides me, but that happens almost every single time a Batman actor gets announced. You know, a bunch of people throw their arms up in dismay, most mm-hmm. notably with Michael Keaton. You oh know, yeah, he was, that's right. Yeah, because he was known for you know like Mr. Mom and Beetlejuice and Night Shift and just you know just kind of these comedic roles oh yeah he was a comedy yeah, actor he's, yeah but 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 he's great as batman you know oh yeah he's um, fantastic and as bruce wayne both so yeah i think that um i i think he'll probably do a good job obviously you know he's he's kind of like me he's he's kind of a skinny guy so you know yeah everyone's saying like well yeah of course you will you know that mm-hmm. you don't even need to mention that that's just yeah right um what I'm hoping, though, is that I, I just really loved Ben Affleck's Batsuit. And I think that Ben Affleck just had the perfect look as Batman. He really did, you know. He just, to, he looked more like my idea of the quintessential Batman than did Christian Bale. Right. And so a lot of that was, uh, you know, some of that, granted, was just Ben Affleck, his, his jaw, his chin, his... Physique. So his build, what's that? His physique, his build. Yeah, sure. You know, because he's a big guy. But a lot of it too was just his suit was awesome, and it looked like it was straight from Frank Miller's turns. Right. So, yeah. I hope that the bat suit Completely that Pattinson, agree. yeah, I hope that Robert Pattinson gets to have a really cool bat suit that is that is, that is more like that. In fact, I'd be perfectly happy if just use the same bat suit that Ben Affleck. Had. of course they're not going to do that yeah a slightly reasons. modified version of that suit yeah but if they did the same one i you know that'd make me happy mm-hmm. uh although i think it would be cool i'm not sure how pattinson himself would feel about this uh but i think it'd be cool if we finally get a movie batman who has uh blank white eyes like he does in the comics and the animated series mm, that'd be cool uh but you know i'm not sure if as maybe he wouldn't want that because you know the eyes are such an expressive part of acting but who knows you know um yeah i think um i think that'd be cool i I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility the eyes thing um yeah i think anybody who's still upset about this needs to watch his acting over the past five six years i uh once i heard this news i i went to netflix and found the most recent um, 
Robert Pattinson thing I could find. I found a movie called Life featuring him and Dane DeHaan where he Dane DeHaan plays um plays um oh my gosh, what's his name? Uh Rebel Without a Cause actor um, James Dean. James Dean. Yeah, he plays James Dean and Robert Pattinson plays this photographer who um follows him around and sort of like takes all these takes these famous photos that go into Lifetime magazine or Life magazine and, and make basically make James Dean a star in Hollywood. Um and it's about their relationship, um how they become unlikely friends. And he's just he, he he plays a different character than Bruce Wayne, but he, he has such like charm and and reserved nature to him that it almost and he looks like a like a Bruce like he's always dressing in a suit his hair is always slicked back like he looks like Bruce Wayne and the whole time I'm thinking this guy is gonna be great Batman like I mean and I also just to compare just to sort of test my faith in him I watched a completely different performance of him in uh the rover which was kind of like a post-apocalyptic movie about this guy whose car gets stolen by these um these uh criminals and he kidnaps one of the criminals this guy kidnaps one of the criminals brother played by robert pattinson who's kind of slow um and the two of them try to track down the car and again just he 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 has such a great range as an actor and it's like he could totally pull off both batman and bruce wayne he could play the charming sort of reserved Bruce Wayne, who has to sort of pl- play that role, so to speak, in the daytime, and then night be this brooding and and intimidating presence. Um, yeah, I I think he's a he's a different choice. Uh, ben Affleck will always be my favorite Batman. I think he, despite the fact that he was in several crappy movies, he did something with that role that. Um, I've I've been wanting to see him Batman for a long time. He played the bat he played Batman like, you know, the Dark Knight Returns Batman, the old uh physically brooding giant muscular Batman that I love from that comic book series. And yeah. um I, I really enjoyed that. But it, what's done is done and it's time to recast. So uh, I'm I'm glad for Robert Pattinson. I think he's gonna be great Batman. Um I, I just hope that this Batman is a more... I want to see that world's greatest detective story. I, wa- I want to see like a a um, noir-style Gotham uh, Batman movie. Like yeah. I, I don't, I, they've always taken the, the, the... These Batman films have always taken the, the... At least since Chris Nolan came in, they've always taken the idea of like, oh, this is a, this is a man rising from the ashes and he's got to go through all these epic trials and stuff. And it's just like, let's just kind of keep Batman a small scale detective and just make him a noir superhero. Uh, yeah, that's what I'd like to see. There's uh yeah, I, I've, um, I listened to this YouTube channel called Captain Midnight and he talks about the same thing, you know, I love that guy. Yeah. And he, uh, he talked about how basically all of the, the movie versions of Batman that we have beginning with the Tim Burton, version to you know to now um a lot of the inspirations for those are so like frank miller's you know obviously the dark knight returns just kind of the, his batman magnum opus and then um his also his year one and then the killing joke and 
there's a couple others, but the point he was making is, is that those really only cover a span of about 10 years in terms of when they were published in the, in the mid eighties, you know, with the dark Knight returns in 85, I think to whenever the killing joke was, or, you know, I think that was like in 96 or so. So the point he's making is that there's so much more Batman material because the character goes back to, is it 1939 or 1940? I think it's 1940. I think Superman was 39. Yeah, so, yeah I think it was in the 40s. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a, I mean, geez, it's, you know, within our lifetimes, we're going to see the Batman 100th anniversary, you know. Right, um, yeah. So there's there's so much more material to draw from, from the Golden Age and the Silver Age, and you know, people just assume like, oh, well, all that must have been really goofy and silly and like that West stuff. Not really, not at all. You know, the gold yeah. stuff is it's dark and gritty. And then, but what you're saying too, there's a lot of great detective stories from uh, the Silver Age. Mm-hmm. You know, or even or even like the early Bronze Age, early '70s stuff. You know, yeah, where, yeah he's just solving mysteries. You know, I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I would. I, would, I think it would be awesome if. Maybe the first of, you know, first, because they're going to do, is it, are they, has he signed on for one or for three movies? I it's heard a, it's three. I think it's a trilogy. Yeah. I think it'd be cool if the first, even if, if it was just kind of a murder mystery, maybe there's, there's one per, one person who gets murdered and that's the inciting incident. And it's just kind of a random person. It's not like the mayor of Gotham or anything, but then, you know, it's just kind of like people keep seemingly disparate people keep getting murdered almost like an episode of sherlock or something right you know and then batman's got to find the killer not and maybe not even necessarily because the next person who's on the list is someone prominent but maybe just because he's got to stop the killer because he's killing people right (laughs) have to be that oh he's gonna murder you know the hottest babe in gotham or what you know some stupid (laughs) thing like that it can be just Right. Yeah. But yeah, have a really intriguing mystery. Right. Um, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm curious. Um, so apparently, Robert Pattinson was uh, not the only actor in consideration. Uh, It came down between him and uh, Nicholas Holt, who we know uh, from the X Men movies. He played Beast. Uh, He played Tolkien uh, in the Tolkien movie just recently. Uh, personally, I don't think he would have been a great Batman. I just think he looks too young, kind of too kiddish. Um, he's a great actor. I just don't think he would have been great for that part. Um, what would you What would you think if Nicholas Holt was casted as Batman? Uh, I agree. Um, yeah, the first time I saw him, anything was about a boy, and he was he was just a kid. He was probably, gosh, maybe eleven when he was in that movie with Hugh Grant. Mm-hmm. And that's a great that's a great little movie um yeah i'm not i'm not saying yeah he i think he's a great actor uh you know especially in that movie he was you know just a kid but he oh, did yeah. a really good job at it but yeah i just am not sure that he's really um batman material he just doesn't really have the look and yeah and nothing against him i'm not saying that he's whatever that he cannot portray a a brooding heroic figure i'm not saying that but um yeah i just he would never have 
across my mind as someone that, oh, he should be Batman, you know? Right, yeah. He's got the same problem I have. Like, people, I, I've kind of accepted the fact that I have such a young-looking face. Like, I look, when I'm shaved, clean-shaved, I look like I'm 15 and I'm 23 years old. Um, uh. He's kind of got that same ish, issue, and it's not a bad issue. It's not bad at all. It's like, he, he looks like he's 20, but he's actually like a 30-year-old man. Yeah, and it says here he's 29. Yeah, exactly my point. Like he's 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 a much older actor, much older man, but he's he looks like he's he's like a a young kid, and yeah. uh, I just don't think he would he, he would not convince me as Batman. I would just think like, oh, that's like that's a kid Batman. This is like twenty year old Bruce Wayne. Maybe um, Robin. Maybe Robin. Maybe, maybe <laughs> as yeah. Maybe well, I don't know about that because he's about the same age as Robert Pattinson. I think they're a I'm year kidding, apart, yeah. but. <laughs> I guess it could work. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him as Robin. That, that'd be a pretty cool idea. Um, yeah, I, I let's talk about villains. Like who would who should go up against this Batman, this new movie? Um, obviously, I think the Joker has been overdone. I think eventually we'll see an iteration, new iteration of the Joker in this Batman, uh, this new rebooted Batman story. Uh, maybe maybe they'll shoehorn in. Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, I'm not sure, but um, I wouldn't mind seeing... I wouldn't mind if we just took a break from the Joker uh, for yeah. a couple movies. I'd love I, to see... Um, oh, man. I mean, I love the Joker. He's he's like one of the best villains ever, but like some of my favorite Batman villains that we haven't gotten a chance to see... Uh, I really like the Riddler. I know he's... Huh, he's but I, he's so similar to the Joker. Yeah, but I mean, he's ex, he's eccentric in a different way. He's not this murderous clown type laugh out loud character like there's a there is a there's a, a couple of batman animated series episodes that i love because they they get the the riddler spot on i think um because he's like still eccentric but he's not like jim carrey eccentric like in batman yeah Forever. He, he's yeah, like he was, that was a little over the top he's classy you know the, the joker is not classy i mean he dresses like a you know he dresses in nice colorful suits but he's not classy like the 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 riddler has like this reserved nature to him and i i love sort of this classy psychotic goofy costume that he's he's got going or this look he's got going for him i'd love to see a new version to take on the riddler um i have heard rumors that the villains that we're going to see in this movie are the penguin and catwoman which immediately um, we've seen that before. We've so. seen that, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't, don't know if I, that. yeah, and I mean, obviously there might be a new take on it or whatever. I'd love to see Catwoman again. We haven't seen uh, Catwoman since The Dark Knight Rises, and I'd love to see like a very comic accurate Catwoman. Him, him, her, kind of be like this. Um, her and Bruce Wayne's kind of um, frenemy love interest, enemy relationship. Like I'd love to see that play out in in, in film again. But um, it just depends on the take, really. Like, if they have a new, interesting take on the Penguin and the Catwoman, I'd, I'd, I'm down for that. But if it's just going to be the same old, same old, then um, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. But who, is, who do you want to see in, as the, in this? Like, even, even just taking away the fact that it's Robert Pattinson as Batman, just like, who would you want to see reinterpreted as a villain in, in, Bat, in the Batman movies, whether we've seen them already or not? Who would I want to see? Well, I agree that uh, the Joker is a pretty tired character. However, 
Joaquin Phoenix looks pretty scary, as I gotta say. Oh, yeah. Uh, he, he looks pretty dang creepy as the Joker. So if, if at some point down the line, like, you know, he encounters a Joker, I think it'd be cool to have Joaquin Phoenix play, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. Like an version older of version of his Joker. Yeah, but for the, for the first movie, um, I, you know, there's a lot of great obscure Batman villains out there. There's a character in an episode of the animated Justice League show called Dr. Destiny. Hmm. Basically is kind of a guy who, like, um, drugs people. And, I mean, there's more to it than that, but what I'm getting at is, even if it was just some new character that was totally made up for this movie, um, I don't know, I, I think I'd be okay if it was just kind of a... And he wouldn't have to be some over-the-top, you know, cackling supervillain. Mm-hmm. It could be more of just, you know... Um, whatever, just kind of like almost like a Jack the Ripper type figure. But uh, I don't know. I I don't really want to see. I really don't want to see um, the Penguin, unless unless the ba- unless Batman has to like go around, and as he's gathering clues, he he has to you know go talk to the Penguin. And what I mean by go talk to the Penguin, I mean like infiltrate his hideout beat up his thugs, grab the penguin, slam him against the wall, and interrogate him, you know, yeah, and then do the definitely. same for different villains. They, uh, that know? would be a great way to integrate new villains and even hint at ones to come in future sequels. Um, yeah. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see when the Batman movie comes out in 2021, but I... Overall, I'm very happy with the casting of Robert Pattinson. At this point, anybody... You can announce anybody other than Nicholas Holt, and I'll be okay with it, so... Bring it yeah, on! I, I, can't I think wait. it's a good thing they didn't go in, in that direction. It's a it's a new choice, and then I I I'm happy. I got my Batman. I've got my live action Batman that I've always wanted to see. I'm open to anything right now, so bring it on. Yeah. All right. Well, that was our top three. Uh, running down the list again, that was Terminator: Dark Fates. First teaser has been released. Same with number two. The first teaser for Pixar's Onward has been released. And number three, we finally got the confirmation that Robert Pattinson will be the next Batman. Which brings us to our topic of the week, the reason why Mr. Eric Jenkins, my good friend, is on the show today. Um, Sorry for the squeaking. My chair is... Gotta get this thing in place because it squeaks so much and I hate it. (laughs) Um, We're going to talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Um, This is actually what I was hoping to talk with Eric about when I was visiting him in Utah, but um, I made the mistake of assuming the movie came out that weekend, and it uh, turns out it was only it was coming out the next week. So um, so we I, I guess this all kind of works out then because we I, I we were struggling to figure out what to talk about. I remember like we we said okay well we can't talk about. Um, Godzilla, but maybe we can talk about like maybe we'll go see Aladdin that weekend, and we can talk about Aladdin. Or we, I know, remember we were just struggling to find a topic to discuss. Yeah, and I think we just well, um, with your shoot going on and with everything else, and just trying to enjoy ourselves and catch up. And then we both just kind of realized like, well, let's just wait. We can always just call each call call. I can always call you in on the show, 
and then we can still talk about something that's relevant to both of us, which is Godzilla. And, that's right. Um, yeah, so let's jump into it. So obviously this is the uh, sequel to the 2014 Garth Edwards Godzilla. It takes place about four or five years after that one. And um, the world is still kind of getting used to the fact that uh, monsters exist and that they're, they're roaming the earth. Um, obviously we got the King Kong movie before we got this film, so they mentioned Kong and Skull Island multiple times in the movie, in case you forgot. <laughs> and um, the basic premise is that um, uh, monsters are... I, I don't like using this term because I think it's a stupid thing to call them in the movie, but the titans are rising, and um, they're kind of battling for dominance, so to speak. At least King Ghidorah is. And the only one who can maybe save the human race is Godzilla. But then there's some other stuff in there about the Titans are the rightful owners of the planet. We have to return the planet to them. And even though they're going to destroy everything, humanity will live on. Uh, there's just a bunch of different crazy stuff in this. And by the way, if you didn't know already, we are going to get into heavy spoilers for Godzilla King of the Monsters. So if you haven't seen the movie, pause this podcast episode, go see the movie, come back, and give this a listen because we're going to spoil pretty much everything. So um, I've been a Godzilla fan my whole life. Uh, I remember sitting in my grandparents' house watching like a giant Godzilla movie marathon on Turner Classic Movies and just being like scared and and excited at the same time like watching Godzilla beat the crap out of these crazy monsters. There was one uh, I distinctly remember that kind of traumatized me as a kid. It was this bizarre like glob-like monster and Godzilla and him were fighting in the dark and Godzilla has to stab his hand through this monster's chest after killing him and melt his baby his babies in his hand so that they don't he that so that the babies don't cause a muck in this planet like i just i just have had a long love and long history with godzilla films and um obviously seeing them translate it into modern day and modern cgi has been a treat i have a lot of respect for the 2014 movie i don't think it's a perfect film obviously because of the the long ass wait we have to see Godzilla, but um, that movie tonally and and um, tonally just works so well, and it, it's it's the perfect modern day reinterpretation of Godzilla that pays homage to everything we love about Godzilla, but um, updates it. And Eric, I know that's the same for you. You've been a big Godzilla fan most of your life. Um, just touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I have been pretty much my whole life. Um, I, I, it, Godzilla is one of those things that if, if you didn't like it as a kid, then you're just going to think it's stupid, yeah. unfortunately. You that's, know? And that's pretty accurate. I can, I can totally, I, I get it, you know? Yeah. But um, I, don't, I think what I liked about it as a kid, A, I love dinosaurs. And so, you know, he's this giant, you know, fiery and Godzilla thing. Um, but yeah, I, I was drawn to him as a kid because he, he was kind of what I want to be. Cause when you're, when you're a little kid, you're powerless, you know, 
in a lot of ways. You're kind of like you have to go now. You have to go to school now. You have to write your name now. You have you know, especially when you're a little kid. So I remember like especially in in kindergarten, um, Godzilla just really resonated with me because he doesn't have to answer to anyone, and because he's a huge dinosaur, you know, which he's like he's basically a mute a mutated Tyrannosaurus. So how cool is that? Right. Um, yeah, and uh, the other thing that is cool about him is just how endearing or enduring he is. You know, like so in the old Toho movies, um, it's like he'll show up for a little bit in the beginning of the movie, so you know you're watching a Godzilla movie. Um, in case the the Japanese people speaking dubbed English didn't already give it away, <laughs> and then he'll show up for like a few minutes in the middle of the movie. And then he shows up at the end. And, uh, you know, everything else in between is just a bunch of, like, bullcrap that you just ignore while you play with your action figures. And the movie runs in the background. And then you, you exactly, stop the, yeah. the cool part. Um, but anyway, I, I just, I liked how, you know, in the middle of the movie, he usually gets beat up by the, the nemesis monster, whether it's, you know, Mecha, Godzilla, or King Ghidorah, or... You know, one, but then at the end, uh, you know that you know Godzilla really is unbeatable. You know, and no matter what, he's gonna somehow totally tear to pieces whatever the, the enemy is. Um, so I don't know. There's just just something about it that just appeals to young boys' psychologies. Uh, um, but yeah, so jumping into this movie i was a big fan i really liked the the 2014 version um i love the way the the look of godzilla obviously it is a redesign but i mean he looks pretty dang near close to the original oh i'd say it's like 95 percent original godzilla they the the way they modeled they made the redesign thing was really interesting they they used um sort of like when a bear stands up that's kind of sort of almost the um one of the inspirations they use, like he's like a, he's, they said he's like a combination of a of a giant grizzly bear and um, like a dinosaur, like a lizard or something. Yeah, I think yeah, you're right, and I think it looks really cool. I think that was a great idea. I'm not sure I would have thought of that. Let's make a let's model after a grizzly bear, but yeah. it totally works. You know, I would have just I would have just modeled him after like one of the early '50s ones, given with the big dumb eyes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that yeah. would have been me. Like if if they had me direct Godzilla, just like let's make him really dumb looking, <laughs> just because I love yeah. those movies so much. I think the worst version of Godzilla, like as far as how he is, probably the uh, Godzilla versus King Kong from the early sixties. Oh. oh yeah, I think I think Godzilla looks terrible in that movie. I think King Kong was terrible in that movie. I... By the way, I also love King Kong. But I do not think that Kong and Godzilla mix. You don't think they, I, they do well I, together? I personally don't. I, I don't think that they should cross over. I, obviously, they do, and they're going to. Mm-hmm. But I just think that King Kong, that is just such a great story in its own, and it's it's self-contained, and I just it just doesn't, for me, make sense. Um, right. I can see that. Um, you know, but anyway, that's yeah. just an aside. Right. Um, yeah. So uh, wait. You okay? You were. I was going to say, what were we talking about? But you were talking actually. So if you want to continue your thought, unless you want to throw it over to me. 
Um, let me think. So this one, okay. So one, as I mentioned before, you know, it's it's hard to do. Godzilla is a very difficult character to, you know, it's a very difficult movie to make because people, you know, Godzilla is the star of the movie, right? You know, so it doesn't make sense to cast a big name star like Brad Pitt or something, which they did not do, you know, and that's, that's but um, it's just because can can Godzilla himself carry the movie without having you know how because he can't talk obviously he's not you know you're not going to have a love story there so how do you do that how do you have a movie the Godzilla that's you know that, that, is, that is who's going to carry the movie basically and I think that this one you know King of the Monsters uh, good uh, Ken Watanabe his character I think his character is great um, Kyle Chandler I was really impressed with him and I, I, I'd like to see him in a different movie where he really can be the star and he doesn't have to you know compete with Godzilla by, by Godzilla <laughs> yeah um, um, coincidentally but, I think he's going to be in the re- in the, the the crossover the Kong Godzilla crossover yeah he probably yeah probably I think their characters will stay will be in the, that next movie yeah um, I think that yeah, for the most part, the acting in it was was pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see what's well. No, yeah, I... let's let's let's, th- let's stay on that. Let's dive into the human side of it because my I don't think this movie's great. It doesn't need to be great because it's freaking Godzilla. But uh, my issue is just the human story. Like they try to they try to do what the first film didn't and try to make a compelling and interesting human story by just combining a bunch of dumb stuff in there i i agree with you i think kyle chandler can one uh what's what's his last name how do you say it ken oh ken watanabe i don't even know if i'm ken, saying that correctly i i hope you i i hope you are because i'm almost ken watanabe yeah he he's fantastic he was in the first movie same with sally hawkins i think she is fantastic and whatever she's in uh millie bobby brown obviously from stranger things was really good i, I really liked her character um, even some of the, even the, the, the witty, uh, scientist, old scientist dude who is always cracking jokes and, um, yeah, I was taking Christ's name in vain. I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I didn't like that. Lines were, were, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I didn't take liking to that, but I mean, he was still really funny. He was, he was yeah. yeah. But, um, th- they had some great actors in this movie. Um, just, it was kind of first time watching. I was like, this is really what they're saying. What they're doing is really dumb. Like yeah, it's, it's I agree. stupid. But then I took a step back and I was just like, what's well, kind of the point? Like, if you look back at all of those Godzilla movies, like everything they say and do is dumb and stupid. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> why would, why would it, why should they change it for the modern day? Like why try to make some sort of compelling human story that that shows the human struggle or whatever it's like and the 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 story was kind of decent about the father trying to connect with his family and and rescue them and he is he's had troubles with losing your son like that was kind of compelling but um it was just cheesy and it but it's like it it works because it's godzilla yeah and i think it's kind of a tired idea of let's let's bring some 
some British actor who's kind of old who can be a good bad guy, and he's like a millionaire, but he's like a, you know, it's just like really another. Yeah. I mean, like the guy. It was just kind of like, it was like a typical Christopher Lee role. Yeah, Charles Dance is the villain. Yeah, and you know, right? Yeah, I know it wasn't Christopher Lee, but it was like that. It was like that type of role, you know, right, just kind yeah. of. I don't know. There, there's a lot of the movie, like the movie itself, the the plot is pretty ridiculous. Right. Um, the whole like Rodan pop, you know, coming out of the mountain and and it's like Rodan is covered in lava. Oh yeah, uh, the fire demon or. Yeah, there was some things in it. You know, the bullshit light came on pretty early in the movie and mm-hmm. stayed on the whole time. <laughs> you know, it was. But so that's part enjoyable. of the fun. Yeah, that's true. Um, but, but I think I, um, that just sticking with the human uh, characters for a second, I think the reason why I was so defensive of like this is dumb is because the first film was so grounded and so it had this this sort of scary like end of the world type tone to it, whereas this one took the approach of like epic sci-fi adventure. Yeah, and it was, it, it was like just such. I, I was, I, yeah, like I was so in love with that the tone of the first movie. I was expecting that, and the trailers invoked that same tone. So when I when I watched this, and I was just like, "Well, this isn't what the trailers were selling me. The trailers were selling me the first movie, but with way more monster fighting and way more epicness." And so I was a little pissed off that the marketing was that the marketing was kind of all over the place, and I didn't realize it. But then taking the movie as it is, it's like. It's Godzilla. It's supposed to, it's kind of supposed to be like this. Like if anything, this movie is the more truer Godzilla film than the first one. Huh. Yeah, at least looking at the human characters from that perspective. Like I I liked that they just sort of I mean like the the the, the freaking fairies in in the Ghidorah movie where um the, the fairies are trying to resurrect Mothra and then Mothra is trying to convince Godzilla and Rodan to fight Ghidorah. Like freaking ridiculous what are fairies doing in godzilla and and if you just think about all the ridiculous stuff like they have aliens robots mecha godzilla heck they even say that Ghidorah is an alien in the movie yeah and and they and the whole hollow earth thing that they throw in there right they they have it so godzilla like swims under these giant tunnels which they interestingly don't show um which i didn't realize until just now but that's okay we didn't need to see that whatever Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, you know, I honestly felt that it was, as a whole, the movie was kind of underwhelming. Um, hmm. Specifically with the fights between Godzilla and Ghidorah. Uh, and one of the problems I had with it is that there's so much stuff on the screen at any given time. Not only do you have Ghidorah and Godzilla fighting each other, but you also have, like, this massive storm in the background, and there's stuff blowing around. There's dust in the air. There's buildings crumbling. There's lightning. There's so much that it's hard to even see what the hell is going on. Yeah, I completely agree. I was kind of thinking throughout the movie, like, when are they going to get this, the, excuse my language, when are they going to get this shit out of the way? And actually, can we see, like, this freaking snow blowing around and there's rain coming down? And for some reason, they had this dumb idea to, to build this giant, mega storm around Ghidorah wherever he goes because he he has lightning power just like no give me a freaking clear sky put him on an island or something and just let me see the destruction like yeah 
I'll leave. And, I'll, I'll say that the first movie had way more exciting, even though they were brief and 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 not very long. They had way or uh, they they weren't dispersed evenly throughout the film. The first film had way better fight scenes, like those yeah. scenes were, were between the Muto and Godzilla were so epic, and you felt the scale of the monsters, you felt the epicness, and you could see, even though it was night, you could see everything. Yeah, I agree. The part in the first one when, you know, it's like, well, how is he going to defeat this Muto thing? But then, you know, when he grabs the Muto's jaws, kind of, you know, and then blasts his atomic breath down his throat, that was just such a cool thing. And unfortunately, I don't feel like we ever got a moment like that. When when he defeats mm-hmm. Ghidorah, the whole thing of how he, he gets badly injured by the Oxygen Destroyer, which is a nice reference to the original... 1954 movie. Um, oh my gosh, I just the, realized that. Yeah, and I then, forgot oh, that I re- was. I realized yeah. it. I I knew. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so he they find out he's still alive, of course, you know, because Godzilla never really dies, uh, as it should be. They find out he's you know underwater in this ancient you know civilization, which I assumed was Atlantis. I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go under there and they have to revive it, like. You know, that to revive Godzilla. Yeah, they have to revive the atom bomber thing. Blowing up a nuke. I just that part. I don't know. That was a little silly. If something goes off next to a nuke, it's not going to be there when it's done. Uh Um, And then how they say that he's going to go thermonuclear, and I thought, well, is he literally going to explode? But then it's just like this burst of energy comes out of him, Uh and that's like disintegrates Ghidorah. I just thought that was stupid. Why don't you just have it so that Godzilla like rips his heads off and then blasts his atomic breath where the heads were so they can't grow back like Hercules does in the original Greek myth when he cuts the head off the hydra and then burns the stems with fire. Right. So yeah, it was, it was yeah, I felt I felt underwhelmed. By it. And then how this idea that someone mentions that the monsters or the titans or whatever they're called, they're actually good for the environment because because they're radioactive, then it makes it so that life can grow. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, and it shows like San Francisco is a bunch of trees and stuff. But um, <laughs> last time I checked, uh, radioactivity is, is uh, not healthy. <laughs> yeah last i checked th- that that stuff kills you yeah and so uh she vera farmiga her character was honestly i know no disrespect to the actress she's a great actress but she felt i, I felt like she was kind of phoning it in the whole time and that that reasoning for why we need to like i i if she had sort of explained it more like religiously speaking these are like the the original gods of this world and we have to restore we have to restore this world to its natural place which was when they ruled and if she kind of almost if they almost kind of cranked up the um psycho factor with her i'd be like this is kind of fun like she's a she's a crazy psycho woman who thinks that the the godzilla is like god and we need to give him his space and screw us but it was like, oh, we have to, the humanity will survive, and the the gods will will 
they they will show life will form from their um their radioactive nature and it's like no no that's not how that works yeah it was interesting to see uh the liberal environmentalists as kind of the bad guys in a way in this movie yeah oh yeah Um, that's a good point which was refreshing because i think a lot of that is just a plot to control people like yeah okay yeah you know is our climate changing have we had an impact on on you know on society the temperature of the earth like well okay there's evidence to suggest we have but you know what does that mean does that mean we have to start killing people hell no yeah you know definitely um (laughs) so anyway it was interesting to see to see that right you know them Um, kind of shown as kind of the, the crazy bad guys who have an agenda and are using that as an excuse right to carry it out yeah, but get, getting back to the the monsters, I I completely agree. Like I I I think the fights were really well done, and there was a lot of monster fights. It was cool, but just again, like all the shit that was in the way, like G- Ghidorah and Godzilla fight in the in the ocean at a certain point. And I'm like, how are they standing up? <laughs> well, maybe they're just so big they're just standing on the ocean floor. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, but like. Um... It just didn't make sense to me that part. That's just a small thing. But, like, yeah, like, there was all this just stuff in the way. Just, like, let them, f- like, like the first movie, let them fight. I don't want to see yeah. rain. I don't want to see thunderstorms. I don't want to see lightning or snow. Just show me them fighting. And, like, you know, Godzilla's known for having these kind of, kind of badass moves that he does on, he does to, to hit monsters. And it's all just, like, yeah. punch. Ghidorah, one Ghidorah head stabs his chest, one Ghidorah head stabs his neck, the other stabs his arm and pins him down. It's just like, cool, show me something else. It was just, uh, the fights were a little underwhelming, I admit, but some of them were actually pretty cool. Like, Mothra versus Rodan was kind of fun. Um, I think the fight, I think sections of the final fight between Ghidorah and Godzilla were really cool. Like, when they're charging... And Godzilla's kind of like taking the side with the humans, and they're yeah. all the jets are flying, and it's like that. Put that on my on my screensaver, man. That's a dope shot. <laughs> hey, yeah, and they had the uh, original music from the nineteen fifty four movie in there. Yeah, when they're shooting the missiles at Ghidorah and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, uh, I, I hated that credit song, the Go Go Godzilla. <laughs> oh yeah. Like it's like, what yeah. is this Power Rangers? <laughs> well, <laughs> kind of, if we're honest, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess, but like, I, I guess that that song is actually like a, an actual song by a rock band. Oh yeah, it's by the Blue the Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah, the Blue Oyster Cult, exactly. But yeah, that song's old as dirt. It's been around forever. Yeah, but I, I just didn't think that fit the the tone of the movie. It was like, okay, yes, we kind of got a little silly, but we still took we still took ourselves per- fairly seriously throughout the film. And yeah. it still had that sort of scary quality to it, the movie. And it was just like, I don't want to end on a, some dumb, go, go, Power Ranger, Godzilla. Yeah. It's like, come on, guys, what the hell are we doing? Like, And I hope to God that's not what Godzilla versus Kong is going to be. Like, I, I hope they take that stuff seriously and that it's like, I, I hope that, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I hope that Godzilla and Kong, that they have to re, that they have to reunite to, uh, to fight Ghidorah again. Because I, I didn't realize there was going to be an after credit scene 
Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, I let's talk about that. that. I just read there is one where some guy, like, recovers King Ghidorah's head. Yeah, the British guy. Yeah, but basically, in any, just, it's as a rule of thumb, in any Godzilla movie, if ever at the end of the movie you see any part of any creature, whether it's, you know, a single cell or whatever, their heart or a scale or a claw, anything like that, if you see any part of any monster that had been killed in the movie that's just lying there, that that somehow they're not really dead. Uh, right. So I, I think chances are good we're going to see Ghidorah again. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's going to be in Kong, though. In Kong versus Godzilla. I think it's going to be in Godzilla 3. Assuming he, yeah. he assuming they don't kill each other. Because I, I actually think that Godzilla and Kong are going to fight throughout the movie, but I think some, some other monster is going to emerge that's going to cause them to team up. Yeah. It's just kind of like kind of like the Ghidorah movie. I, I just don't see how Kong could take Godzilla on because originally, you know, King Kong in the original 1933, he can pick up a person in his hand as we all know. Obviously, in this version, he's much bigger than that. He's like Godzilla's size. Mm-hmm. But even if he's as big as Godzilla, he still doesn't have the atomic breath. Yeah, you know, um, which didn't. But on the other hand, it really didn't seem to be that effective in this movie because he shoots Ghidorah with that right square on the chest and it really it pushes him over but um there's and there's an old Godzilla movie it's just called Godzilla versus and there's a part in it where he shoots you want to you want to say that last part again I, I think you cut out there oh okay so I'm talking about the atomic breath and how in this one that we're talking about Godzilla's atomic breath does not seem to be very effective against Ghidorah. Right. It knocks him over, but it doesn't do much else. Right. Yeah. But yeah. In, a, in a previous Godzilla movie, he, uh, when he's fighting Ghidorah, he shoots him with the breath at the base of his middle head, you know, at the base of his middle neck, and it completely blows his head off. Oof. Wow. You know, from, uh, from the base of the neck. Um, and then he gets made into a cyborg and gets a robot middle head, and that's a different story. Hmm. You know, the point is, it's like, if you've got, like, this giant blue nuclear blast weapon, um, how can King Kong hope to compete with that? You know? Yeah. I, I don't know, so... We'll, we'll find out, I guess. <laughs> I hope so. I hope they're just... I if, if they end up just not fighting, and they end up just being... You know, <laughs> beer drinking buddies. Beer drinking that's, buddies. <laughs> that's fine with me because I I like them both. I don't want to see them. Hey, why don't you come on over to Skull Island other, sometime you know? and we'll uh, crack open a couple of gold ones. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> come down so, to my yeah, underwater layer. We'll 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 crack up some gold. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. So I hope they unite to fight a third a third monster. Maybe even like Gigan or something. I think Gigan is. There's, there's a lot of there's a kid in my elementary school who just who reminded me so much of Gigan. He even kind of looked like him. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him show up and get beat up. Yeah, I think we'll definitely see more Godzilla movies after this one. Definitely after Godzilla vs Kong. I either yeah. either got either Ghidorah's gonna be resurrected, or um, 
or they're gonna make like Mecha Ghidorah, or just yeah. or, or make Mecha Godzilla out of that. Yeah, that Mecha head. Godzilla is definitely. I think that'd be out there. I think that'd be kind of a cool idea to do Mecha Godzilla. Do you think that he'll be of extraterrestrial origin, like he was in the original? You know, like the original Mecha Godzilla, or do you think he'll be built by humans, like the like the second Mecha Godzilla was? I think um, if if they do at all, if they take that Ghidorah head and make Mechagodzilla, I think it'll definitely be the latter. I wouldn't but mind I mean, if, if they, they just straight up did aliens. <laughs> yeah, and that but I mean, I'm just talking about Mechagodzilla. I don't mean I, I'm not talking about Ghidorah. Oh yeah, well I'm I'm saying like if they take the Ghidorah head and use that to make Mechagodzilla. How would they do that? I don't know. Just it, I mean it's it's a it's a it's a monster head. They could use that to just somehow just make a giant kaiju and call it Mechagodzilla. It doesn't necessarily have to look yeah. 100%. I guess, I guess they could use the head as a paperweight for their giant blueprints of the Mechagodzilla. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, if, 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 they use him to, if they use it to resurrect Ghidorah, I wouldn't mind it as well. Because I also thought, like, Ghidorah is, like the nemesis of Godzilla. He is like the Joker Absolutely. of Batman. So like why oh, yeah. why introduce him so soon? Like you could have had Godzilla versus Rodan and um like a couple other different monsters, um, Ben Mothra and Rodan just um but still, like I mean the movie is what it is. But um I'd be interested to see if they would actually do that, resurrect Ghidorah, or if they have another yeah. big bad in mind. So why why did Gareth Edwards not return to direct this? I think it came down to uh, he was going to be too busy with Star Wars and uh, obviously this movie. But which which Star Wars? Rogue One. But that came out a long time ago. Yeah. So the thing is, I think he was planning to uh, he was planning to do Star Wars and he wasn't going to come back because I think they were initially planning to shoot fairly soon for Godzilla but then plans got scrapped once or plans changed once um you know Kong came into the picture I think and um you know I think they already had a director secure that the movie just kind of took longer than expected because it was so massive and they're trying to build this universe so he he was just already out of out of the job by the time that the movie uh, finally oh. got back into the swing of things so I, I don't think it was also it was a big movie like i would be surprised if it's like you know what i love making the first one but it's kind of worn me out guys i want to go make some star wars movies see ya but those are big too it's not like that's true that's true you know but um yeah i don't know i, I think it had to do with the fact that star wars was being made that they already had a director replacement and um i'm sure he was just tired of big blockbuster movies i don't know i don't know what his next movie is going to be but um I'm sure he's at the point now where he can pretty much do whatever the heck he wants because two giant big films out of the park, like that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, would I would yeah. have liked to have seen his Godzilla too because again, I loved the tone of what he did in that first movie, even if the you know, it, it's a arduous wait to wait to see Godzilla. Yeah. But um, I, so I think that again, the tone he he just nails like a, a, a really scary but action-packed and fun modern-day retelling of Godzilla. 
Um, so yeah, let's get into like final thoughts and just like the, fr the this franchise going forward because it did not it didn't make a lot of money, but I don't think that's going to affect. I think it was just simply the reviews. I think they need to make um, you know they just make a less silly movie, uh, or people just need to take this movie less serious, <laughs> and uh, just come in and have fun with it. I mean, it wasn't terrible. I've seen worse, but it definitely wasn't trying to be this perfect gem. It was trying to be as fun and action-packed as it could be, and it, it was. I think it achieved its goals, definitely, but I just was expecting something a little more along the lines of the first movie. I, I wouldn't put this above the first movie, uh, even with all the, the fights. I love seeing Ghidorah and Rodan and Mothra translate onto the big screen, but um, it again, the fights were just covered in crap. Like, take all that crap away, I think... I would have loved this movie. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, yeah, for the next for the next movie, or even for this one, my, my thought, if I was to have made this movie, or any Godzilla movie for that matter, um, again, I think that it would be possible to <clears throat> kind of just do away with any, just let Godzilla be the protagonist, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think we necessarily need to have as much of a human story in it really at all you know i mean i don't mean to keep mentioning wally throughout the course of this episode i mean i think that's a pretty great movie but oh yeah i'll just use that as an example great but wally doesn't talk you know and yet he's totally the protagonist of that movie and he's able to carry it i think that godzilla could do so in the same way <clears throat> yeah i agree um, i think that'd be that's, so yeah yeah, I, I think that would be cool to see. Yeah, although Monarch, the organization, is kind of cool, like the, the shield of this universe. I love <coughs> Monarch. I like that that organization. But just don't focus. Don't make them the focus. Make them the side characters. Make them – don't make that – yeah, like focus on Godzilla as a character. Yeah, because ultimately we don't, we don't we didn't come to see the movie to see what Monarch is up to. You know, yeah, we exactly. came to see Godzilla – kick ass and and do his thing mm -hmm. so yeah so overall with this movie um like i said it's not the best godzilla movie it definitely doesn't exceed the original but it's fun and if you can come in and have a good time more power to you uh having already seen this film twice i initially gave it a two and a half just because of again like the human story so dumb but uh i'm gonna go ahead and give it a three out of five um, if you can sort of turn your brain off a little bit, it's not as dumb as the Transformers movies, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, although the plot is dumb, you know, the actual acting in it is not all that bad. Right. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, I look, yep. I, I'm looking forward to Kong versus Godzilla. Um, definitely looking forward to that. I, I'll still keep seeing these movies as long as they make them. I, I love Godzilla and nothing... Nothing is ever going to change that. <laughs> Unless they make another Matthew Broderick Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, that's... I don't, I don't think... I think the Toho Godzilla killed that one in 2005. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. All right, well, let's... let's that, that does it for us. We're done. That's all we got. Um, yeah. Eric, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, again, I'm sorry we haven't had you back in a while, but it was it was great having you on the show. 
Thank you for having me. It was great. Yeah, of course. We, we, we hashed out a lot. We covered a lot of ground. Covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we'll ha- I'll have to have you back on soon. Sounds good. Yeah. Where can the people um, find your work online or filmmaking stuff, social media yeah, plugs? Can, Go for it. You can find my, my YouTube channel, R. Eric Jenkins. That's uh, the letter R, you know, and um, okay, and then say Eric, that last E-R-I-C. bit again. We you cut out again. <laughs> oh, that's so. My YouTube channel is R Eric Jenkins. R as in rocket ship, and then period. So it's my first initial. Eric E R I C Jenkins J E N K I N S. Um, yeah, I put up new stuff on there every now and then. So uh, check it out. And then um, yeah, keep checking back there for updates on my uh, Western short film that's what I was doing. Hell to pay. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll link all that in the description of this podcast episode if you guys want to check that out. You definitely should because Eric's a really entertaining guy, talented dude. I have some video, short films that I've made with him on YouTube, and, and they're some of the some of the f- most fun I've had on a set. Oh, thank you. Likewise. You're very welcome, sir. <laughs> and, of course, you guys know where to follow me on social media. All that will be linked in the description of this podcast episode. Um, this next coming week, I'm going to be, or not next coming week, but whenever I release the next podcast episode, I'll be starting my, uh, retrospective look back on the Toy Story film, starting with the first film, going through Toy Story 2 and 3, and also some of the TV specials and the short films, all leading up to Toy Story 4 coming out in almost two two weeks, I think. Holy crap, I got a lot of work to do. Yeah. All right, well, Eric, thank you again for joining us on the show. Uh, again, You're we'll, we'll, thank you. Of course, we'll uh, link everything for you in the description of this episode. And the mixer is about to die, so I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you all for watching <laughs> this podcast episode. You can check out more uh, on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, shout out to Anchor Podcast for being this free service that allows me to do this. Uh, we're approaching 50 episodes, and... Uh, that's the big 5-0 it's gonna be cool all right well you all have a great day god bless and peace out